0: Remember Todd White? Where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you ask, it's the Checkland Luke Podcast. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Episode Grant of the Chet Sellers and Luke Pristey Podcast. I'm Chet Sellers, and I'm joined as always by the man who wore boat shoes to the outdoor classic and now has a severed baby toe that rattles like a spray can in that thing when you shake it. It's Chet Sellers. <laughs> How you doing, man? Pleasure to be here. Love the show. So I think it should be pretty obvious at this point that we now live in geo hell. If you followed the senators over the last couple of weeks, uh, Luke Pristy's not here. Uh, he claims he's gone to Europe. I am at this point pretty convinced that he was raptured, you know, and that he has left us uh, on this physical plane to move on to, you know, some sort of afterlife, whatever that looks like. And, you know, looking back, you sort of say, what could I have done to to secure that that future for myself? And as far as I can tell, it basically just involves um, making a lot of advanced math jokes on Twitter. And I think once I realized that, I realized that the afterlife, whatever form it takes, was really never for me anyway. So, as I said, we live in geo hell. The senators, you know, even though they are on a two game win streak lost about 700 games in a row uh, over the course of the last month. Uh, and it would be nice to point to one thing to indicate why that is the case. It would be nice to say, you know what, this is all Mark borvietsky 's fault. Damn you, Mark Borvietsky, you stabilizing presence. This team would have been in much better shape had you simply not been concussed for the fourth or fifth or who knows how many times Uh, But unfortunately, the roster has kind of been bad up and down over the course of the last month. And it's really not any one thing that we can point to up to and including Mark Borviatsky, to be able to say this is why this team has lost so many games in a row, why they've fallen out of a playoff spot, why they, you know, at this point have to pass so many teams that they are, you know, extremely unlikely to make the playoffs, regardless of how hot they get over the next four months even though you could have said at the beginning of the year, well, it's an odd numbered year, so they're not going to make the playoffs. But all that said, Dorian has said he's going to stay the course. Our coach will not be fired. We are going to kind of see what this team can do over the next several months. But it has been a weird year. And, you know, when I look back and I say, why has this been a weird year? I go back to the day before training camp started. And all of a sudden it comes out, hey, you know who might not pass his concussion protocol? Clark MacArthur. He, even though he spent most of the playoffs succeeding in a series of heroic moments, um, he may have suffered a setback. He may have decided he doesn't want to play anymore. No one is saying anything uh, other than he can't play according to doctors. He is not retiring. He is still on the roster. There is some kind of weird conspiracy going on there. And as soon as that happened, I kind of said, you know what, this is going to be a very strange year this is going to be a year in which all the magic of last season it'll be like it's been fed through google translate and nothing is going to feel exactly right and even though you know they are going to play 82 games this year it's a weird year In which there's a lot of long road trips. There's a lot of back to back games. There are two games in Sweden. There is an outdoor game at minus 20, which we can talk about. You know, they're not going to get the usual 82 game home and away day on day off kind of schedule. And, you know, when they miss the playoffs by three points in the first week of April, you can point to any of those things. You can point to the fact that they played nominal home games in Sweden and TD Place as examples of why, you know, they should have done better with this year. They ended up having a screwed up travel schedule. They ended up having a really weird year. Science tells us that the ideal environment to play hockey in is a giant climate-controlled soundless prism, which, as we all know, is really the best environment in which to get your first unit power play going. We could talk about how The senators have been terrible on the ice over the last month, but it seems to me that the only thing anyone wants to talk about at this point is the environment off the ice, which started, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Eric Carlson came out and said something completely unreasonable, which is that he is worth, you know, essentially a maximum contract in the NHL, which of course he is. And then all of a sudden there was some talk that, well, maybe Eugene Melnick doesn't like that. Maybe Eugene Melnick is expecting that Eric Carlson will take a hometown discount. Whatever has been said about Eric Carlson, I mean, he is going to resign in Ottawa. That much is clear. And it's also clear that whatever Eugene Melnick says, the senators, you know, have been planning to give him a maximum value contract because they have basically cleared most of the decks Bobby Ryan and Dion Phaneuf aside, to ensure that once they pay him, they can figure out what they're going to build around him. And you know, my good friend Luke Paristi, rest in power, King, has been making that point on Twitter until he was raptured to you know basically anyone who will listen. And I think he's right. Eric Carlson's not going to leave Ottawa because most NHL players, you know, at the end of the day. Not saying this is Eric Carlson, but most NHL players are fairly dull and relatively lazy, and local sales tax aside, tend to re sign in whatever market they happen to play in because they happen to like the local Italian place and they don't really care where they play Xbox. Eric Carlson has in laws in Ottawa. He recently bought the gaudiest house in the least gaudy neighborhood in Ottawa. He has the ego boost of having been captain and having done so more successfully than Jason Spezza for the last several years. And he is, and I don't think this is particularly controversial, the best player in franchise history. He is really the natural heir to Daniel Alfredson. He is the version 2.0. He moved in with Alfredson at 18. There's not really anything he hasn't learned from the guy and then improved upon. And when we compare Daniel Alfredson and Eric Carlson, it's worth remembering that things weren't always sunshine and Haverflarn for Alfredson either. He was almost traded a couple of times. He had a few difficult contract negotiations. It really wasn't until the 2011 All-Star Game in Ottawa that people said, oh, he's still here after we got rid of everyone else, and, you know, he really has been the one constant in the history of this star-crossed franchise, and so we're going to finally give him the respect that he deserves and treat him like a legend, and for the next several years, we're going to pretend that we've never had any. Any problems with Daniel Alfredson, and he 's never had any problems with us and that will certainly continue into two thousand and thirteen and beyond because why would Alfredson ever leave the ottawa senators but it 's worth remembering, and I think Carlson knows this. That Alfredson did leave. Uh, you might have heard about that. If you haven't, let me tell you, on July 5th, 2013, he signed a one-year contract with the Detroit Red Wings after a difficult contract negotiation in which the team allegedly low-balled him because he was seeking money to compensate him for not necessarily his present value, but the fact that he played the last year of his previous contract on what was, I think, a million dollars in an effort to circumvent the salary cap because everyone agreed he probably would have retired by then he did not retire he was still playing extremely effectively at 38 39 40 and when he asked the team to make him whole they said no allegedly and they said and furthermore you know we both know that you are not going to leave ottawa you've got four kids here you've got a legacy here you are 11 year captain you know you're going to take what we're going to offer you and he said you know what I'm going to prove you wrong. I will tarnish my legacy with fans. I will leave town for a year when I am 40. I will play for a team full of Swedes in Detroit because I think that they can offer me something more than you can, and I'm not worried about that. And so he, on a point of pride, basically said, I'm going to leave town, and you know, history has shown that no one begrudges Daniel Alfredson for that decision, and a lot of people feel that the Senators mismanaged that. And who better to remember that scenario than Eric Carlson? Eric Carlson is the one player at the one time who can make this tacky cheapskate franchise do anything he wants. He knows that if he wants to come in and ask for the max contract and the max number of years, he can get it. He is in a better position than Daniel Alfredson was when he was 39 to make those demands. If anyone is going to get the Ottawa Senators franchise to bend the knee, it is Eric Carlson. And whatever Eugene Melnick says, you know, the team is going to pay him. They know that the one thing they cannot do, and Eric Carlson knows this as well, is lose Eric Carlson. They didn't think they could lose a 39-year-old Daniel Alfredson. They did. They know they cannot lose a 27-year-old Eric Carlson. Are they going to rebuild around him? I don't know. I don't know if fans will tolerate a rebuild in this market. I do know they will not tolerate trading the best player in franchise history when he's 27. I mean, the Senators did try to rebuild once in you 2010-2011 know, when they traded off Mike Fisher and Chris Kelly, etc., And it wasn't really a rebuild because they made the playoffs next year based off Craig Anderson having a full season on Ottawa, based off Paul McClain getting a lot out of a young lineup, based on Eric Carlson scoring 78 points in his third season in the league. At that point, they sort of said, okay, well, the rebuild's over. We drafted Minkah Zibanejad, and obviously he's going to be a franchise cornerstone. So as long as we make the playoffs, let's say every other year, we're doing all right. All that to say, I don't think Eric Carlson is going to go anywhere, but I do think he has all the you know, negotiating leverage in this scenario. And really what this is going to come down to is Eugene Melnick. We talk about Eugene Melnick pretty much every time we tape this show. And pretty much every time we cut it out, because most weeks it's not that fun. It's not (laughs) it's not that entertaining to keep a lot of Eugene Melnick. Boy, that guy is kind of an a-hole. You know, we I think if you go back to the very first episode of this show, we talked about Eugene Melnick's horses and what is, you know, what's going on with Eugene Melnick's horses. And that kind of stuff is fun. But unfortunately, we can't even do that anymore because Eugene Melnick sold all those horses. I believe they were sent to Europe to be made into stew And, you know, that stew should have been ours. Right. I mean, that's the problem when you have a franchise owner that is allegedly racked with debt, who's struggling to make ends meet and is constantly complaining that whatever margins he's getting from his hockey team are not sufficient enough. And if you were paying attention this week, you probably saw Eugene Melnick come out on Friday And essentially say, you know what? I'm not happy with the attendance. I'm not happy with the amount of money that I am allegedly losing on this franchise. Generally, this is something where we're going to need to start cutting payroll, which is already pretty low. And we're already not paying our scouts and most of our employees. Uh, But you know what? I'm still not going to sell this team. Even if you don't like it, I'm going to move it, which is, you know, exactly the kind of thing you want before the marquee outdoor game that your franchise has been waiting for 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 25 years it's funny to watch the melnick out stuff going on this week because most hockey fans on twitter like to make up fake trades Sens fans on twitter like to make up fake owners there's more fan shipping of the senators and potential new owners then you see throughout the entire extended Gilmore Girls universe. It's always what if the Ottawa Senators, but Bell, or that space clown from Quebec, or a late 80s Tom Selleck, or a faceless bag of money? You know, what if anyone other than this coupon billionaire, uh, allegedly, what if anybody other than Eugene Melnick? Who, you know, claims to have made a lot of money and now has to run a franchise with razor thin margins and make a lot of moves that don't demonstrate a hell of a lot of benevolence toward the people of Ottawa. What about anybody else other than that guy? You know, he's a billionaire the way you say the word billionaire when you mean to say millionaire, but you have a head cold. You know, he is a billionaire in the way that a billionaire argues about baggage fees that should be refunded on a cross-country flight because his headphone jack was a little wiggly. You know, he was a billionaire in the way that a guy arguing that even though breakfast was only served up until 11 o'clock, it's only 11.05, it should still be hot back there, so you should still be serving it. Oh, and by the way, I'd like to use this expired gift certificate. He's that kind of billionaire. And he is, at this point, running this team like it is a hot dog factory, and he's trying to squeeze out every last drop of profit he can because, uh, <laughs> really, when you think about the 31 NHL franchises, you think about that is essentially an opportunity to try to grind out a margin as opposed to, hey, you know what, this is an extremely exclusive club that you should be you know, bragging about being a part of and maybe act like, you know what, buy a drink for the locals every now and then. Eugene Melnick, there's a lot of rumors out there right now that he is going to sell this team or that he is going to have to sell this team. He obviously denies that, but based on the way he's kind of came out on Friday, it sort of strikes you like the end of Macbeth, you know, where he is paranoid, beset by enemies. And it seems to me the problem here is not Eugene Melnick. The problem is the NHL because owners in the nhl largely exist at their convenience i mean bill daly came out and said well you know we've never heard from eugene melnick that he wants to sell this team that's irrelevant right because what he He's not saying when he says that is it's implicit that this league is run like a cartel. And when we want him gone, we'll take care of him. You know, and I suspect that regardless of what they are saying publicly, Eugene Melnick's comments on Friday sort of take him from, you know, kind of the lower third of owners where not really great. But at the same time, we're not dealing with the kind of problems that we have in Arizona or Carolina or Florida. That Friday kind of took him from that to actual problem. And I suspect that when they say they he doesn't want to sell, that just means we haven't found someone that we've decided is going to buy this franchise from him once we make it extremely difficult for him to continue to operate in this league because he does not seem to understand that this is a very exclusive club. When Eugene Melnick is gone, I suspect the stories that will come out will be legendary. And I suspect that some of the things that we eventually find out that people in this franchise put up with will be jaw-dropping and probably get Pope Francis to put Brian Murray on the fast track to sainthood. But Eugene Melnick, all he needed to do on Friday was come out and say, like, it was so easy. All he needed to do on Friday was come out and say, there's a lot of rumors out there about selling the team. I'm not talking about that. This weekend is about the history of the league. It's about the great people in Ottawa. It's about celebrating a game outside. We're just going to have a good time. That is literally all you need to do, as opposed to air every single one of your grievances. Eugene Melnick is going to sell this team. He says he's not. The league is not, says he's not. We all know Eugene Melnick is going to sell this team. I do not know if as part of that he's going to retain ownership of the Belleville Senators. He would be the perfect AHL owner. Uh, everything about Eugene Melnick says that he is an AHL owner and not an NHL owner. And I suspect that we are going to see that sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, but who knows? And as I said, all of these comments from Eugene Melnick came right before the outdoor game at TD Place last night. And I don't know if you've been following the weather in Ottawa, but it has been unreasonably cold for December all week, which again is really God's way of saying that this is not your year. And reader, it was so cold last night. I still have a chill from it. It was so cold that you know exactly which three of your fingernails are too short as soon as you've been sitting in the stands for approximately five minutes. We were there at TD Place last night, and the things I saw, I saw children frozen in ice blocks, their parents continuing on stoically, saying, we can always have more children if we can ever make it off this endless frozen Russian step. Uh, I saw complex negotiations between men, where one would agree to be set on fire to warm the others but there was a significant amount of haggling over the time for which he would be lit a flame and how much money he would be paid I saw the richest fans being given NHL 100 classic merch, uh, particularly fingerless gloves to be worn around an oil drum like you're in an alley in a Batman movie. It was cold. We waited for an hour to get in in a human cattle pen where you start by worrying about being trampled. And then after a while, you realize that that would be a viable way to keep warm. Uh, you're essentially suffering every physical and mental ailment that you know pretty much any plane crash survivor has ever had you're surrounded by habs fans uh but at the same time there's very little partisanship uh between the sides uh as you quickly realize you need to huddle together and recognize the commonality of the human condition and the futility of war. It was cold uh and you know it wasn't a great hockey game either, right because The players are coming out and essentially, you know, playing sort of like mistreated circus animals where you kind of feel guilty for watching them have to perform under conditions like that. Uh, They were really performing out of fear and not of joy. You know, the game quality was fitting of hockey played in a meat locker on a sheet of granite. The passes were sloppy. Both teams quickly realized you just kind of threw slop at the goalie and hoped that he had frozen up over a few minutes of inaction that he wouldn't be able to stop a extremely weak shot trickling through his five hole. By the third period, it was so cold, delirium was setting in. I was sitting there dreaming of an insulated jacket with heating panels that would double as small convection ovens so that not only would I stay warm, but I could possibly bake muffins as I warm myself. Brian Adams came out and played a power ballad. <laughs> it was it was a weird, very, very cold evening. Uh, they won the game. They dominated the Habs. Uh, I've heard some talk this week that that may be what turns the season around. And obviously, we'll have to see. Uh, but the point about the outdoor game, and I should point out as well that we paid a lot of money to go to the outdoor game uh, to sit there at minus 20. The point is there were 34,000 people that did that uh because as tacky and cheap and stupid and star-crossed as the Ottawa Senators may be we love them and eugene melnick when you eventually have to downsize to a two bedroom condo in barbados i hope it's full of sand fleas all right folks well that'll do it for this week and we'll see you next year when we will be in 2018 and certainly, as we said at the end of 2016, nothing can be worse than this year, <laughs> as it turns out. So we'll see you in 2018 and take care of yourselves until then. Goodbye. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. And Sellers were a couple of fowlers who both still live with their moms, breaking the town's local hockey team down some microphones on. No other podcast was finer. What was more of a hit with the big rig diners. We never thought they'd make it past episode five. Whoa, somehow these dudes named Chet and Parisi are live. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa.